Another breaking scandal in the Christian sphere. Mike Bickle from IHOPKC is accused of sexual misconduct. What's the story, and what, if any, effect might this have on our Christian faith? We look at four truths that we need to remember when facing scandals. Welcome to Christianity Still Makes Sense, the show that loves doubters with near apostate, now pastor and apologist, Dr. Bobby Conway. I'm your host, Tim Hall. Well, let's start with a little bit of backstory on this Mike Bickle thing. Quoting from Julie Roy's website, she says this, Mike Bickle, founder of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri, is facing allegations of clergy sexual abuse spanning several decades, according to a statement released recently by the former IHOPKC leaders. Bickle has led IHOPKC since 1999, and IHOPKC is a 24-7 charismatic prayer ministry with about 2,500 full-time staff, students, and interns, which attracts people from all around the world. Quoting from the website and the statement, it said this, without going through or without going into all the details to protect the privacy of the victim's identity, we found that these allegations of clergy sexual abuse by Mike Bickle to be credible and long-standing. Continuing the quote, the credibility of these allegations is not based on one experience or any one victim, but on a collective and collaborating testimony of these experiences of several victims. The statement added that these are women who have always been viewed as credible, trustworthy, and courageous. Bobby, what is your reaction to yet another Christian leader caught in scandal? Boy, I know this is just so... uh prevalent lately, and it's discouraging, honestly, uh, to see what is happening because of the egregious nature of these scandals. I mean, you think about it. I mean, the International House of Prayer, uh, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. And then you picture uh, just this sexual scandal that's been going on for quite some time with lots of allegations that have emerged now. And that's troublesome and it will for sure cause you know extra fallout and disillusionment uh inside the church and outside the church but you know bickle is not new i mean we've got all kinds of these sexual scandals or power scandals that have taken place i mean just think about some of the big name figures tim in the last several years that we've seen you know, absolutely come to the end of their ministry uh, or uh, have to completely start from scratch again. Uh, You think of, you know, Bill Hybels with the sexual uh, issues that came up, James McDonald, uh, you know, now he, you know, is looking at, you know, serious sentence time for, you know, beating up an older lady. Uh, I mean, he had power issues in his environment, Mark Driscoll with the Mars Hill podcast and how that became well-known. Ravi Zacharias with this hidden secret for all those years. Uh, Jerry Falwell Jr., uh, you know, with the pool guy and his wife and all the sexual deviancy that was taking place there. Carl Lentz with Hillsong, uh, you know, posing as a sports agent to a Muslim girl that he had an affair with. Uh, Brian Houston of Hillsong, Uh, You know, it's just a lot, right? And it's not that we don't recognize that there is, you know, this idea that all of us are fallen and we mess up and we, 
you know, have to turn from the Lord. But what's so dark and a lot of this is it was going on for so long and there was cover-ups and uh, it's like there was just this perpetual hardness of heart that wasn't dealing with the real issues. And so, uh, need I say it, Tim, the church is a mess. It's no wonder um, critics of the church are curious as to why there are so many of these scandals. And of course, if we're going to address this issue, we need to acknowledge the ugly truth of these scandals and even express our own regret, Tim, to anyone confused or angered or personally impacted by them. Uh, That's obviously a no-brainer. People skills can also go a long way in talking with others and alternatively addressing this objection by unjustly defending people's behavior or minimizing it or excusing it or even explaining it away won't help. So when someone asks, why are there so many scandals in the church? We can simply begin with, that's a fair question. I wish it were otherwise, but sadly, the church is not immune from scandals. And I'm very sorry if you've been impacted in a negative way by any of them. Well, you had mentioned several other names there other than just Mike Bickle. I think that's, uh, you know, honest to say that there's other, you know, people out there like Carl Lenz and Ravi Zacharias. So why do these scandals with some of these people, and and now including Mike Bickle, seem to have such an effect on our Christian faith? Yeah, and I would want to even direct those that might be watching. We would love to hear from you. What are your thoughts on why this impacts people's Christian faith so much? I mean, here's a few of my observations. I would say, um, I alluded to it already, they can disillusion us. Uh, because when a Christian leader is up on a platform and has a moral failure, that can disillusion the flock, and it can also disillusion the world. Uh, it can also break down trust uh, in an individual's life as it relates to being able to you know, trust the person. Maybe they start trusting, even uh, struggling, trusting God, like, God, why aren't you holding these leaders up? Why is, why are they falling left and right? I mean, clearly God is exposing a lot of stuff right now. That's, that's for sure. We can see this happening uh, in the time that we live in. So I think that the fallout of this, the impact of it is people end up disillusioned. Uh, they lose trust in leadership uh, and that can be problematic. And then they can isolate themselves, Tim, as well, uh, because if, if you don't have trust in leadership, then you might think, well, I'm not going to put myself under a leader. And so I'm just going to isolate from the church. Uh, and so then that causes problems for that person who decides to do that, because we're not meant to live isolated from one another. And I think also uh, this is a tough one is it can leave people traumatized with, you know, PTSD. Uh, they can experience true Uh, emotional trauma, mental trauma, uh, depending upon the scale of it. So you take um, like Ravi Zacharias and the whole institution just crumbling. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of people left traumatized in the wake of that. So I do think that those are some of the, the, the effects of scandals. And I think about a person that I know, Uh, you know, this person will look a little bit like a maverick uh, and will have a little bit of a hard exterior. But if you sit down with this individual, it's just as tender as can be. Um, And I'm building a friendship with this gentleman and he has shared how all the churches that he's been a part of, there's always been a major scandal. 
Mm-hmm. And not only that, this individual was saved out of uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, grew up Jehovah's Witness. And so this is a person who has known a lot of pain um, from the rejection he experienced when he left Jehovah's Witnesses to being in a situation um, where, you know, his first wife left him for an, another woman uh, to all the scandals in the church. There, there's been a lot of trauma in this individual's life. And so when I think about how to love on this person and care for this person, it's meeting him where he's at and realizing that he's rightfully uh, got some guards up. And it's been just so amazing to watch his guards drop as we have developed a friendship together. And so I think that those are some of the effects of it. And, you know, Tim, I'd be remiss because whenever I talk about this, it's hard for me not to even think about my own relapse. Hmm. And I don't ever want to minimize that and, and just explain it away as if it wasn't problematic because there were people that were hurt with that, no doubt. Um, and, and I hate that, that that happened. Uh, I've shared plenty of times that, you know, the relapse happened. I, I just was wondering if I could drink in moderation again. I was just trying to cope with life. Uh, but I will say this. Um, I, I, it wasn't like I was living in some secret, you know, sin and like for this long period of time. And it, it wasn't out womanizing and doing all this other stuff. I mean, I was trying to cope with depression, suicidal thinking, uh, and it's not good that I turned to alcohol to comfort me, but God in his goodness, uh, you know, he rescued me and I was able to get up and share with the flock and, and, and apologize. So I've, I feel like I've really tried to own it um, and share honestly about my journey. And it wasn't like there was just this long history of secrecy that was going on. My nature is to be a transparent leader. I was just really struggling with how to cope in life. And unfortunately, I picked up the bottle again, uh, but I haven't had a drink now in over five years by God's grace. Uh, but I know that as a result, that hurts some people too. And I hate that, that I have to be, um, you know, accountable to that and recognize that, you know, as leaders, when we make decisions, people can get hurt. But I'll also say in God's grace, because I owned it and came clean real quick, Tim, a lot of people just came out in such support and they felt that they were encouraged because they did feel like, you know, a lot of what was going on with the people that we're talking about, these are people that weren't coming clean. They weren't wanting help. They were trying to stay in the secret of what they were doing. And that is, I think, an extra layer of scandal. Your story is one of the reasons that I think you have such a unique perspective on just this whole topic, and I think that is uh, really good that you're open and that you're willing to share that. Uh, you know, in addition to the things that you shared, which I thought were very apropos, I saw a message online that I think kind of sums up maybe why this can affect uh, so many people and you know people that are, are doubting. And, I, and the message went like this: It says, "You asked us to read the Bible, and so we did. We read it over and over and over again. And the problem is, what we read didn't line up with how we often saw Christian leaders act." And that's our problem. So I think, you know, all of what you said is so true. And I think this kind of undergirds why this is such an important topic. And so we want to look at, you know, kind of four things to keep in mind, four truths that we need to be thinking about when these types of types of scandals confront us. And they're confronting us a lot. So let's go through these. So, Bobby, what's the first thing that we need to keep in mind when we, you know, kind of face one of these scandals? 
I would say, first off, scandals aren't exclusively a church problem. Mm. They are a human problem. Uh, so where humans exist, scandals exist. So scandals can be found amongst atheists, Mormons, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, agnostics. You name the group, and I'll show you a scandal. Uh, take, for example, just even the atheists or the new atheism movement in particular. This is um, really falling down. I mean, as a movement, it's just crashing. And uh, some of it has been some of the sexism that's taken place. And you think about uh, Lawrence Krauss that was at Arizona State University, let go from his job, the physicist, um, you know, with charges of sexual indecency or Richard Carrier, another atheist and, you know, known for kind of the Jesus mythicist stuff that got, you know, caught and found out about some of the stuff that he was in. That's not to pick on Krauss or Carrier. It's just to say it, it doesn't take long to find people uh, in other belief systems that have messed up because no belief system is scandal proof. Uh, you know, our hearts are messed up and all of us have a simple nature. And even the Christian, uh, just because a Christian is redeemed doesn't mean that the Christian doesn't still struggle with returning to uh, his old ways at times. So all that to say, uh, the suggestion, that suggestion anyway, that, you know, Christians shouldn't be engaged with, you know, scandals because, you know, they've been forgiven is, is kind of pie in the sky thinking, at mm -hmm. least the side of heaven. Uh, because we as humans, uh, we're, scan we're a scandal prone bunch of people. We lose sight of God's forgiveness and his grace and his mercy. And it's scary for me to even think about. And that's why we've got to take heed when we think we're strong, lest we fall. Yeah, I was once asked in a Q&A after giving a talk, you know, something something about scandals and, you know, I, I want to leave the church because there's so many scandals. And I was like, where are you going to go? Like, what group? Like, your sports <laughs> team probably has a scandal somewhere. Like, exactly. you know, again, you mentioned some atheists. You're going to, you know, denounce Christianity and become an atheist. Well, there's scandals there. So if you're leaving because of scandals, then, you know, you, you really got to take heed on uh, where you're going because, like you said, that scandal thing, it's a human problem. So what's the second truth that we need to keep in mind here as we're thinking about this? Yeah, so I'd say secondly, just because someone says they're a Christian doesn't mean the person is a Christian. Mm. Uh, Jesus couldn't have been clearer when he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Uh, the church is full of people who say that they believe in Jesus, but their lives prove otherwise. And I won't pretend to know the human heart on such matters of who's in and who's out. That's you know, Jesus doing, and he knows, uh, and he's already warned us though, that not everyone who claims to be a Christian really is one. So what does all this have to do with scandals? Well, sometimes the church gets a bad rap, Tim, at the expense of pseudo believers. And the reality is we carry enough of our own baggage uh, as true believers, but unfortunately we also have to carry the baggage of posers unnecessarily so. And that makes it problematic. And so I think that as we think about some of these truths, you know, does or do scandals prove that Christianity isn't true? I think we need to remember that, you know, scandals aren't exclusively a Christian problem. They're a human problem. And that not everyone who says that they believe actually do believe. So some of the scandals that are happening inside the church are by people that are just total apostates or they are wolves in sheep's clothing. 
Amen to that. What, what is the third truth that we need to keep in mind here? I would say third, that just because someone is a Christian doesn't mean that person is exempt from scandals. Hmm. So a lot could be said regarding specific uh, causes for one's you know, moral lapse that creates a scandal. Issues like hypocrisy, power hunger, covetousness, greed, lust, abuse, addiction. But all these actions fall under the category of sin. Just because the Christian is forgiven of their sin doesn't mean they will necessarily forsake sin. Becoming a Christian doesn't make one sinless, but as it's often been said, it ought to make one sinless, Tim. Hmm. Nevertheless, given our simple human natures, there is not a single Christian who is exempt from the kind of sin that can lead to a potential church scandal. So I think that we should all, as Christians, tremble when we see people falling. And if we think, oh, that could never happen to us, well, we don't really know that because being pressed in certain set of unforeseen circumstances can cause the person who thinks that they're so strong or totally, you know, unable to fall in such a way, it could crush an individual. I mean, the person who's had a pretty good overall life and drinks in moderation, well, what happens to that person when they lose their wife and kids all at once in a fatal car accident and then find out that that person has terminal cancer and then is terminated from their job as well. Uh, Well, it's not surprising to think how that person who once thought they could never get inebriated and depend on the bottle could find himself there. So I think we always have to remain humble in recognizing our own potential for sin. Well, before we get to our fourth and final truth, I'd like to remind our audience that by backing our channel, you become an integral part of this ministry, impacting lives and fostering a sense of community. Your contribution enables us to create more meaningful content and provide resources that nourish the soul. Together, let's amplify the light of Christ in the digital space, whether through prayer, donations, or simply sharing our content, every gesture makes a difference. Join our mission and help us contribute to this faith journey by spreading God's love far and wide by visiting ChristianityStillMakesSense.com and clicking donate. Together, we can touch hearts, inspire change, and make a positive impact on our on the lives of many. Thank you for becoming a beacon of support in our shared mission. So, Bobby, let's jump to our fourth and final truth that we need to keep in mind. Yeah, I would say fourth observation that I want to bring out is this that too many Christians are overly influenced by culture Mm. and not enough by scripture. The percentage of Christians who have developed a moral worldview to help them live biblically is shockingly low. We spend countless hours listening to music and watching programs that run contrary to scripture, often failing to recognize how far we've drifted from God's moral intent for our lives. It's not over-exaggerating at all to say that many in the church, Tim, are Lucky if they spend 30 minutes a week in the Bible while taking in 30 to 40 hours a week in cultural messaging through music and movies and social media, you name it. If anything, I'm being conservative. For many Christians, their Bible reading time is basically extinct. Hmm. Uh, And the hours enmeshed with culture are nearly double the estimate that I gave. So it's no wonder that the church is racked by scandals. And we don't know how to live the Christian life. And that's because we're often led by our feelings and intuitions and influenced by sound bites instead of being led by a clear 
biblical worldview. And we can see this, you know, especially with Gen Z's, uh, that generation that has been so shaped by a hypersexualized culture. Many of, of these profession professing Gen Z Christians, they're just happily having sex with their girlfriends and boyfriends, and they don't think there's anything wrong with it. Well, that's because they're not reading their Bibles. They're listening to their culture. They're reading uh, their Twitter. They're reading Instagram uh, posts. Uh, that's what they're doing. And so what ends up happening is, is it is really hard to say no to certain things when the culture is screaming, say yes. And so that is really troublesome. And what happens is, is when people see these professed Christian Gen Z's just, you know, having sex like it's no big deal, living like they're married when they're not. Well, those on the outside, they get jaded and they can struggle. And those on the inside that are really trying to walk with Christ, they might start struggling with some doubt themselves. Like, you know, well, why am I trying so hard to be faithful if everybody else is just going this way? So as unfortunate as scandals are and that they create a black eye for the church and bring us dishonor to God, I think we can rightfully ask, are scandals in the church enough to explain away the truthfulness of Christianity? And I don't think so, Tim. And I'll show you why by using a logical argument. Now, first, just a quick word about logical arguments, also known as syllogisms. Logical arguments contain premises and a conclusion. And if the premises are true, then it necessarily follows that the conclusion will also be true. Now, arguments can be helpful, especially since they provide an accessible way to recognize the loopholes in one's logic. So here we go. To claim that scandals disprove Christianity would be equivalent to making this type of fallacious argument. Premise one, if scandals exist in the church, then Christianity is not true. Premise two, scandals exist in the church. Conclusion, therefore, Christianity is not true. The problem with this argument is obvious. The conclusion doesn't necessarily follow from the first premise. When people reject Christianity because of scandals, they are essentially claiming that premise one is true. But premise one is actually a false assertion. Uh, scandals may disappoint us, but they don't negate the truthfulness of Christianity, nor do they provide a good reason to reject Christianity. Nowhere, Tim, does the Bible attempt to cover up scandals. Rather, it recognizes and confronts them head on. And unfortunately, it didn't take long for the early church to find itself enmeshed in scandals. One quick read through the book of 1 Corinthians, as you know, Tim, we're taking Image Church through that book, and you might find yourself feeling better about your own church after all. So that's kind of what I'd say is the fourth point uh, of those four that we just discussed. Well, Bobby, let's end with kind of giving us some hope. What kind of hope can we have in light of these scandals? Here's what I'd say. I'd say you know, while, while scandals may hurt the credibility of Christianity, here's the good news. They don't hurt the credibility of Christ. He's the only one who ever lived without moral failure. And as a result, he's the only one who can truly forgive us for the sin that leads to our moral scandals. And finally, to deny Christianity on account of scandals is to put too much stock in people. Our hope was never meant to be placed in humanity, but in the creator of humanity, Jesus Christ. People will always let, people will always let us down. And we can count on that. And if we put too much hope and trust in people, we will become hopeless in Christ when they let us down. So I'd say it's high time that we trade in our disillusionment with Christians for a deeper intimacy with Jesus 
and rejoice together because it is the only uh, it, because it is only the gospel as a worldview that can make sense of the kind of scandals that we are seeing in our world today. Amen to that, Bobby. Great words. Thank you so much for these fourth truths and, and bringing out that argument. I think that was really helpful. Well, this isn't the first time that we have discussed scandals. You can find more episodes just like this one on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Christianity Still Makes Sense. And you can actually check out the whole playlist of the shows and find more episodes where we discuss topics just like this. With that, we will meet you next time on Christianity Still Makes Sense. Thank you for checking out this episode of Christianity Still Makes Sense. This show is just one of the many resources available to those who are doubting their Christian faith. You can also find others at ChristianityStillMakesSense.com. This is a listener-supported show, and your gift of any amount helps shows like this continue. Click on the donate link on our website. Also, catch Bobby on Pastor's Perspective, where he answers your questions. Finally, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to click subscribe and check out our other videos on the channel. This show was sponsored by K-Wave and Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.